Well, good afternoon, New Hope, and welcome to our Good Friday service where we gather today in remembrance of what our Savior did at a place that the Scripture calls Golgotha, or as the Latin would come to say it, Calvary. Jesus was crucified there at around 9 a.m. For three hours, he suffered physically and endured the cruelest forms of mockery. At any moment during the first three hours, he could have called upon his father for rescue and stop the madness, but he continued to endure. At noon, a strange and foreboding darkness came over the land. It was a sign that God's judgment was being poured out on the world. As the sun disappeared behind a veil of darkness, the Son of God suffered with cries of anguish. For three more hours, our Lord Jesus endured pain and emotional anguish that are best captured by the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this is why we gather today, church, in somber reflection of what our Savior chose to endure for you and for me. The Son of God bore the afflictions of the world. He was forsaken. He was abandoned. He was alone for you and for me. Our Good Friday service begins now. It is appropriate, of course, to applaud. Yes, applaud our Savior, right? And applaud what he did on the cross. We, I love, I love, I love Good Friday. Because on Sunday, we get to do these, we get to celebrate, right? On Sunday, the, the, rec, the resurrection is revealed. On Sunday, we get to celebrate what happened there. We get to see a hope and a future grace, a grace that we know part of now, but is not even yet revealed to us even to this day. That's Sunday, Easter. We get this hope of a future. We get so excited for it. But today, today we don't look at the future. Today we don't look at the resurrection. Today we sit in the pain of the cross and we recognize our own sin. And, and the nature of it, and the depth of it. Sin that is so egregious to God that the only remedy for it is death. And I love today because we don't carry that death. We look to that Friday and we say, that is a good day. Because I no longer have my own death, but Jesus takes it from me. And we know the end of where today we're going to finish up. We're going to finish up with death on a cross. But before we get there today, we're, we're in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, a uh, scripture that many of you know well that I feel like as a kid I memorized, and it's something that's ingrained in us. We know Philippians chapter 2 so well, and it's the humility of Christ. And I think looking at humility for humility's sake, look at it and say, oh, isn't that great, doesn't really accomplish much for us, does it? But I think one of the things that we ought to do often, especially as mature believers, as we get closer and closer to Christ and closer to God all the time, we say, God, I, I know who you are. I know what you've done. Now show me what you're like. Show me what you're like. How can I be more like you? We're, we, we're, we're told to imitate Christ. How do we become more and more like you? And so Philippians chapter 2, it starts off right away here, and it says, have your mindset be that of Christ. And so we get, in a moment here, we get to see the very mind of Christ. You ask the Christian, uh, God, what are you like? Christ, show me your thoughts. Show me what you're like. And he says, let me show you. This is how I think. 
And it ends not just in thought, but in action, and that is the cross. And so here we have today, we're not just going to talk about the love of God, and we're not just going to talk about humility, but we're going to look at the humility of Jesus Christ as this awesome sacrifice for the love of his creation. That's what humility is. Let me read it for you, and then you'll see what theologians call the ladder of humility as we walk through the very top where there's no, there's no need for humility in Christ, and then the very bottom, and you guys know where this ends today. If you have it with it, you can read along with it. It's looking at chapter 2, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. Let's read it together, and then, and then we'll break it down bit by bit. It says, in your relationships with one another, he's talking to us, talking to the church, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God a thing to use as his own advantage. Your Bible might say, use as something that he can grasp or hold on to. But rather, he made himself of nothing or of no reputation, but taking on the very nature of a servant, your Bible might say bondservant, being made in human likeness, he found himself as an appearance of the man, he humbled himself, and becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What you'll see today is we start off at the very top here of no need for humility because you are the very nature of God. And at the end, we see the epitome of humility. And the goal is not to look on it and say, wow, that's so great. Thank you, Lord. But rather, wow, I see the effect of his love. I see this outworking of Christ's love through us because of his humility. And it's even more than that because it doesn't just say look on it with reverence, but it says have your mindset be like Christ." This is a call to action for us in humility. So here we are right away. What's interesting, it says, humility doesn't come until way later. But the whole thing is an act of humility, one and one by one. And I think we ought to get that word set before we do anything else, because a lot of times we think of the word humility as just an act of not pride, right? You look at a man and you say, wow, he's really, he's really, really good at his job, but he gives credit to everyone else, man. He's a humble man. Or you look at a football player that goes and gets a catch a touchdown and points and you know goes somewhere else and you the quarterback all this stuff right like oh man he's a humble man or you think of a mother who goes and, and she's at home and she's there all day and she does all kinds of stuff for her kids and no credit no recognition not a lot of thanks from a seven year old often right and you think there's humility there and yes there is but the humility of Christ is far more than that. And so what we'll see is we'll see this descent. In fact, uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon says this, the lower he stoops to save us, the higher we ought to lift him up in adoring reverence. Blessed be his name because he stoops, he stoops, he stoops. He becomes a man, and then he stoops further and deeper. So what you'll see is this ladder this whole time from the top all the way to his death. And the very top is this, right? Being very nature God. Jesus is God. He's not a demigod. He's not a half god. He's not only part god. He is fully God. Shares completely in nature with the Spirit and with God the Father and in his will as well. In his will, in his attributes, in his desires, all these things are the same. Jesus is God. And at that point, there's no need for humility. Here is Jesus on the throne. There's, there's no humility there. He is God. That is the definition. But instantly, you see the next line. Even though he's in the nature of God, here's where the humility starts. He did not equate or consider equality with God something to hold on to or something to take advantage of. They call this the emptying of Jesus. And don't misunderstand, he's not, Jesus is not saying, or the Bible is not saying that Jesus is emptying his divinity of himself, only to become a man, but he empties himself of the 
advantages of the privilege of being God. All these privileges that come with being God, think about all the things he had to endure while he was here that he didn't have to. This is the first act of humility, is that he says, yes, I will go and I will breathe, and I will be hungry, and I will be thirsty, and I can live in poverty, and I will feel pain. All these things that I could forgo, I'm God. But I'm going to show you the depth of my love by showing you the depth of my humility. And the first step is saying, I'm going to forgo some of my privilege. The privilege of being God, I'm going to let go of that. And I'm going to descend into earth. So here we have the nature of God. And then next we have equality with God. He says, I'm not going to hold on. I'm not going to clutch it like some treasure that I won't dare let go of. I'm going to freely let go of this pri- the privileges that I share. Not all of them. Because he does do miracles. He does do fantastic things that only God can do, right? But some of these things I'm going to let go of just to show you how big a sacrifice this is and how awful and egregious your sin is. What's necessary is for me to feel pain and to die on your behalf. He empties himself of that. And then the next, you see the next one, he says, he became nothing. Doesn't say he dropped down and immediately he's this king with a great army, with people that follow him and a mighty sword and lightning bolts in his hands. He doesn't have all this stuff. He says he becomes nothing. Made himself of no reputation. When he was born, no one knew who he was, except for the fact of the prophecies that were coming and the wise men that followed him. Nobody knew who he was. He wasn't the son of a, of a great king, although he is, right? Unearthly, he wasn't, right? He wasn't all these things. He made himself of nothing. So here we are, the very nature of God. He empties himself of some of the privilege of God. And then even more, he says, I'm going to come to earth and I'm going to be nothing. Didn't have to do that. A lot of times we look at humility, not for what he did, but what he could have done. He could have said, I'm going to come and be an earthly king and and I'm going to reign and rule. And this is how you're going to know my might and power. But instead, he said, I'm going to come as nothing of no reputation. And then he says, I'm going to take on the very nature of a servant. Angels are servants. Christ could have said, you know what? I'm, I, 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 I can still be humble as an angel, and I could come and I could go over and I could say repent and be baptized and have faith in God, and, and that would be it. And maybe we, could die, maybe we could work something out that way, right? There's a lot of different ways to be a servant of God. But here's the next level of humility. It's not that I'm just going to be a servant. I'm not even going to be a servant in, the, in, the, in a castle or in a palace. I'm not even going to be a servant that's paid. You know, the, the, the word is bond servant. That is a, a slave, a, a, a servant that does not get paid. More and more humility. I'm going to make myself a bond servant, he says, and then being made in human likeness. You know what that means? He doesn't come as big, strong, mighty guy. He doesn't come as Hulk, right? He says, I'm going to be made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man. And it's even more than that because you could say, well, why don't you come as a 33-year-old? Why don't you stay one year? Or why don't you stay for your three years of ministry? Surely God, with all your privilege of being God, you could have done that, Christ, right? But he says he's going to come and he's going to be a baby. Think about the frailty of the plan of God in that. If you were in charge of the, of the future of mankind, don't you think you'd be, I want to be so certain of this, that I'm going to be this huge, big, mighty guy with an army around him to make sure that he survives. But no, he not only comes as a man in the likeness of a man, but comes as a child, as a baby. The next rung of humility. And not only that, but I'm going to be born in a place where there's, there's not power here. In fact, they, where he was born in Bethlehem was in the shadow of power and of influence. He wasn't there. God in his very nature up here. 
And he, he takes away the privilege of being a God. And then he says, I'm going to make myself a servant. And I'm going to empty myself. I'm going to come with no reputation. And then I'm going to be born in human likeness. And not a man, but a baby. Human likeness. And then he says, and then I'm going to humble myself. Here's the first time the word is even used. I'm going to humble myself. Think about all the ways. <laughs> if this was KidZone, I would ask for some discussion here. But we don't, you don't, you're not you're off the hook, all right? Think of all the ways that God had to, Jesus had to humble himself. The way that he had to live. He said he didn't even have a home. He wandered, right? He had to find food somehow. He had no money. Think about the people he chose to be around. Sinners and sick people and the hurting. These are the, this is the humility of Christ. And by the way, humility not just for the humility's sake, but showing us his love. How does he love us? By showing us the depth of his humility for us. And he says, I'm going to be around sinners, and I'm going to be around these sick people, and I'm going to show them that I didn't come here to make really bad people really good people, but I'm going to make you people that are dead to God. I'm going to make you alive to God. <laughs> and then he comes and think about who he chose for his disciples. Talk about the humbling experience. He picks these people that have been passed over by every other rabbi. These men were not supposed to be disciples. They were supposed to be tradesmen that were doing other things. And he says, you and you and you and you, I'm going to pick you people to follow me. And they say, you're not, we're not worthy of you. And he says, yeah, absolutely you're not, right? But I'm going to choose you anyway. <laughs> Amen for that, right? It's the only reason any of us are even here is because he chooses you. And you say, I'm not worthy of it. And he says, I know. And then we're gonna do, you're going to do it anyways, right? So here he is. He humbles himself. And then the next word, becoming obedient. Jesus, in the nature of God, has no need to be obedient to anyone. Even if he is on the throne in heaven and he is there, who is Jesus possibly obedient to? He is the creator of the universe, right? He is God in form, and he is God in nature. And yet, he says that he humbles himself to the point of obedience. And he says, for my creation, now I will be obedient to the Father here. Even though I am equal with him, I will, I will let go of that privilege, and I will become obedient to him. I will obey. And this is, I will become obedient even unto death. Now, when I ask my children to be obedient, their obedience is for life, right? I, I tell go to bed at 7.30 or o'clock because I want tomorrow to be a good day. I don't want you to be tired. Brush your teeth because I don't, I don't want the bill, but I, I also don't want, I don't, I don't want you to have a teeth when you're 18 years old, right? Put clothes on, all these things. When we're in the parking lot, I want you close to me. I want you looking out for, for cars. Stay close to me. Those obedience things are for life. We, obey, we have our children obey so that they are safe and healthy and, and, uh, and that they're able to grow. That's obedience in life. But he says not just obedience in life, but obedience unto death. That's a humility I don't think we understand. It could stop there, by the way, right? It could stop there and we could say, God, I, un I understand the depth of your love through the depth of your humility you are at the top rung here, the very nature, God. You let go of your privilege of being God. You empty yourself into the vessel of a man, not just a servant, but a bondservant, a slave. You become of no reputation. You become obedient and even obedient unto death. That's enough. I understand it. He says, wait. There's a dash there. It's not even the end of the sentence. He says, even death on a 
cross. The cross is the worst way that mankind has ever figured out a way to kill a person. There are a thousand ways to die. There's a thousand ways to murder somebody. He could have chosen any painless way, but as he forgoes his privilege of God, that means he endures pain. And he says, I will gladly take on this pain for you. The cross is something that even the Romans were not legally allowed to crucify their own because it was such a heinous and egregious way to die. To Jews, do you know what the cross was? It says, and even in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, it says to die on a tree is cursed. To die on a cross is a cursed way to die. So it's not just that he's obedient in life. It's not even that he's just obedient unto death but he's obedient to death and the worst possible cursed death that we could possibly conceive in creation. Now we see the latter rungs of humility, right? Here's Jesus. All the way at the bottom, he says, you want to know my mindset? Do you want to know how I feel about you, about how much I love you? Let me show you in my act of humility that I will go all the way to a cursed death. In Galatians chapter 3, it says that, He nails the curse of the law to the curse of the cross. How wonderful it is that we take the curse of sin. He took our sin and our curse, and he says, I will take it on me. And not only will I die in some uh, some way that they're going to kill me, but rather more than that, I'm going to die a cursed death for you. What What does Persian say at the beginning? As he stoops to save us, the lower he stoops to save us, the higher we are to lift him up in our adoring reverence. Blessed be his name because he stoops and he stoops and he stoops, becomes a man, and then stoops and stoops lower. Do you see the depth of humility? I feel like that's where we ought to sit for the next three days. We rest in that. We don't quite look to the resurrection and say, Lord, thank you for a hope and a future grace that is ours, that you've promised us. But rather, I want to sit and I want to recognize the depth of your love for us because of the depth of your humility. (laughs) My dad says all the time, it's one of his favorite lines. He says, Jesus, I'm going to take credit for this one day, but for now it's his. (laughs) He says, Jesus never touches anything and leaves it the same. That's, that's, what, that's what this whole thing, it looks like we can just look at this and say, God, thank you, Jesus, thank you for being humble, thank you for being humble, thank you for what you've done. And yet at the very beginning, the first four words, we almost forgot about them. What does it say? Have in your mind, in your relationships, have you, be the, you have the mindset of Jesus. If we ought to look at this, we don't just look at it with awe and reverence and say, Lord, thank you for that. But we look at that and say, that's what you want of me? You want me to be that kind of humble? I, I, don't, I, I can't, God. You want, me to obe- you want me to obedient, not just in life, but in death? There's one of my, my favorite songs ever by Shane and Shane. It says, I'm, I am haunted by my God who has the right to ask me, which by the nature of my, my rebellious heart I can't give. God asks us for uh, righteousness. He asks us for perfection. He says, I can't give it, I can't give it, I can't give it. And yet he still asks it of us. Here with humility, he asks us, he asks us, he asks us, you in your relationships, in your mindset, you be that which Christ is and that humility. And you say, I can't. Yeah, you can't. 
Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, right, that he allows us to do that, amen. So here's where we sit for the next three days. We wait eagerly for Easter morning, and in that time, we think about the depth. We recognize Jesus as God, fully God in nature and in form. And he says, I will forego that privilege. I will become a man. Not just a man, but a baby. Not born into some royalty, but born in the shadow of influence and of power and of money. And not just a baby that will be born to do some trade work, but I will be I will like a servant. And not just a servant, but a bond servant, a slave. And I will become obedient. And not just obedience in life, but obedience in death. And not just any death, not a heart attack, not that I'm going to die young, but death on a cross, a cursed death. And why does all this matter? Because I want to show my people the depth of my humility to show them my mindset and the depth of my love. Don't we dare read this and think anything other than that, man, Christ loves us. Doesn't just say it, he shows it. Ladies and gentlemen, today I pray. (laughs) I pray that in his obedience and in his humility, that he can point us to ours in him. That we would be humble and obedient to him because we see his humbleness and his obedience here on earth. Let's pray. Lord God, we're so thankful for Good Friday, Lord. We call it good because we know what you did for us here. Lord, you are fully God. We recognize that, Lord, but yet you give yourself up. You give up your rights and your privilege as God in order to be with us and to be among us, Lord. We thank you that, uh, that you didn't just come here and just die in one year or one day, but Lord, you suffered with us. When, when you say things like that you will be with us and that you will fight with us, that you're for us, we can understand that because you lived and breathed with us. You were hungry just like we're hungry. Lord, you thirst. You felt pain. You felt humiliation. You felt hurt. All those things, Lord. We're thankful that you were able to sink to that level of humility and humiliation. Not just so that we can look at it in reverence, Lord, but that we can, you can change us as you do and that we can become the kind of people that are humble and that are obedient, even, Lord, to our dying day. Lord, I am confident I cannot do that on my own. I do not have that kind of ability in me. I do not have that kind of humility in me, Lord. But I know that you can do it in and through me, Lord. So we ask you to move in our hearts, Lord, that we don't just look at this with adoration and say, thank you, Lord. But God, we ask that we look at this and say, change me, make me new, make me a humble and obedient man and woman of God that recognizes and sees the depths of your love for me, Jesus. And then show me more of it. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.